Hello, Robin. Hi. How's it going, mate? You all right? Well, yeah, now I've passed me old COVID infection. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Trevor and Rob here from WN Movie Talk, formerly known as We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And we are back tonight to discuss another film. And this time it is the 1969, is it? Western Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which is a an audience recommendation, Robin. Yes. A listener's recommendation from Rob. He's a fellow podcaster. Oh, is he? He's got a podcast called Records and Bands. What's this podcast about then? Uh, I think it's about spoons and avocados. (laughs) Something like that. Fascinating. (laughs) Hence the title. Um, So, yeah, we've had a couple of weeks apart, haven't we now? Um, Well, and Robin, you had COVID, didn't you? Yes, I've had COVID. We we were days apart, I think, were we not? (laughs) Yeah, I know. And then, like, yeah, literally, like, the next week, I had COVID, just as Robin was getting off it. I was getting yep. on it, um, which is strange because we don't see each other, do we? This is all done. We haven't we caught must it from have caught each other. It off of Skype. Yeah. <laughs> so beware. If you use Skype, <laughs> it's uh, like a, a COVID hotspot, isn't it? So, yeah, we're a couple of weeks behind. We I like to be ahead of myself when I'm doing this. So uh-huh. we're going to record this episode quickly, and then hopefully we'll have time to record a, an additional episode where we could discuss things that we watched whilst we was on COVID isolation. Okay, that'd be nice. Because I know I've watched a few things, have you? I have, actually. Yeah. But we'll save that for the next pod. Okay. <laughs> I'll try tonight, not to mention them. Tonight, we will get on. <laughs> we'll get straight on with it. Um, go. I've got some comments first, because a few weeks ago now, I asked our listeners uh, over on Facebook and Instagram. That's facebook.com forward slash... WN Movie Talk Podcast and Instagram.com forward slash WN Movie Talk Podcast. But I asked him over there, I said, Who's your favourite movie duos? Because we're Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid today, movie duos. So we've had Crystal Rocks said Morticia and Gomez Adams. Ah, okay. In general or a specific um, version? It just says those. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, cool. Yep, good. I'd imagine that. Probably the uh, Angelica Houston and Raul Julia yep, yep. version. But like you say, in, in general, I mean, because the animated version, the newer version, I thought was very good too. Yeah, I liked the first one. The second one wasn't as good, but the kids loved it. They've seen it three times. So. There's a second one? Yeah, they go on holiday. Oh. But I, I really enjoyed <laughs> the first one, yeah. Um, okay. Leon Bateman says Tango and Cash, Murtagh and Riggs, and McLeod and Ramirez. Now, Tango and Cash, that's Kurt Russell yeah, and, and, and um, Clint Eastwood. Stallone, wasn't it? Oh, is it Stallone? Yeah, it is actually. Yeah, you might be right. Murtagh and Riggs, Lethal Weapon. All right, yeah, of course, yeah. Mel, Mel Gibson. And now, McLeod and Ramirez, I was like, who the hell is this? And I had to Google it. It's the Highlander. It's. Uh, Have you ever seen any of those films? A long time ago. I saw the first one. I can't remember if I've seen the second one. I can't say I... I've ever seen any of them. I kind of know the no, gist of what they're about. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever watched one. I remember there used to be a cartoon of the Highlander on CBBC or CBBC. CBBC. Yeah, C- <laughs> yeah no, on CBBC. And you think, how can they make a cartoon about men who have to decapitate each other to survive? Yeah, but they, but they did the same with Robocop. Yeah, they did. And they did the same with um, uh, Rambo as well. It was a cartoon, I believe. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Piero Canuti says Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, well, yeah, you can't argue with that, can you really? It's legends, isn't they? Have you seen the Steve Coogan 
film of Laurel. Yeah, and I have actually. I thought it was all right. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I thought they was both good in it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, and then he also says Jay and Silent Bob. Yes. Seen them? Uh, uh, clerks yeah, I, yeah and but wasn't he the guy, wasn't one of them, is it Silent Bob that ended up writing the new He-Man animation Yeah, stuff? I think it is, isn't yeah, it? So yeah, so I don't like him anymore. Kevin Smith. Move on. No. <laughs> Uh, and then he says, Beavers and Butthead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Statler and Waldorf. Who? Statler and Waldorf. Oh, is that Trading Places? No. That's the Muppets. Oh, the, the oh, two, the two the old box. folks. Yeah. Oh, right. I, Waldorf, I was thinking, is that, isn't that Trading Places? Isn't that the name of the old the old guys in that? Yeah, it might but be. But anyway. Um, and then he says, last of all, Piero Canuti says, Bill and Ted. Yeah. What an excellent... Suggestion. Tim Smith says Dumb and Dumber. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Have you seen the other Dumb and Dumber films? Because there's the new one. No. With them. It wasn't as good, but there's some great bits. What's the name there. of the guy that's with Jim Carrey? Um, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, I think, is just brilliant in that. Because he can play yeah. quite a serious actor as well at times. He's been known to. Um, yeah. And he just plays it. He plays off of Jim Carrey so well in that film. I think it's superb. I love the start of the second. Or I, I say the second film. The second film is actually Dumb and Dumber when they were kids. Yes. Yeah. Right. Isn't it? Which I didn't think it was shit, but there were some good bits in it. But the second one with Jim Carrey in that, where it's like 20 odd years later, and it starts off and Jim Carrey's in a wheelchair with like long hair. <laughs> and... Um, He's like just a bit of a vegetable and every day Jeff Daniels comes to visit him and has to change his bum and all this stuff. And then you see Jim Carrey like say something, mumble something. And Jeff Daniels like leans in, what? And he's like, gotcha. <laughs> and he's just basically been a joke. He's pretended he's disabled <laughs> for like 20 years. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, it did make me laugh. Um, Seen it pod say, and also Nath Kent 92. They both say Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah, well, they've done some good films actually, haven't they? Yeah, especially in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, um, fair comment. Uh, Tim Oi Tickets also says Lauren Hardy. And he says, but Wild and Pryor were pretty good. Yes, uh, I've watched the clip from uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. I think it's the one on the trailer. On, it's on Netflix or whatever channel it's on. And it's just the bit where he's having his photo taken by the policewoman um, in the, uh, when they've arrested. <laughs> and Wilder's looking at the camera and Richard Pryor stood beside him. And she says, tell him to stay still. So he taps him and he turns. He goes, what? <laughs> stay still. Okay. He goes, she says, no, what's he doing? He's staying still. Now tell him to look forward. <laughs> so he taps him again. It's just brilliant. Goes on and on. But yeah, classic, classic. Oh, it's great. Isn't it? Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then Johnny Waffle says, definitely Cheech and Chong. I watched their films many a time back in the hazy days. In so the hazy fun. days. In the hazy days. <laughs> <laughs> Cheech Marine. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was what the audience had to say about that. All right, very good. Yeah. So thanks for getting in touch. If you ever want to get in touch, like I say, you can find us as WN Movie Talk Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at wnmovietalk at gmail.com. 
Uh, talking of emails, we had an email from one of our listeners who recommended this week's film, which is Butch Cassidy. So um, And the Sundance Kid. And the Sundance Kid, yeah. yeah Butch on. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Did you know, originally, Steve McQueen was going to be in this? And because he tops the bill over Paul Newman, it was going to be called The Sundance Kid and Butch Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. And then Steve McQueen pulled out. They got Robert Redford in and then Paul Newman was top of the bill and it was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which just has a better ring to it, doesn't it? But I was watching this, watching this Butch Cassidy when it first started and you first meet Butch Cassidy and Sundance in different situations. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, they look so shiny and clean. And I was thinking, is this going to be a glossy Hollywood I was, cowboy? Like, I always you know, call I them like, the, yeah, I always call them the, um, the BBC, BBC dramas. Because BBC dramas are very often like that. It's like they've just got them clean out the wardrobe or the clothes yeah. and stuff, you know. It's like, quite here we are. We're going to go to the to the, um, the Wild well, West, put on these I, clean clothes, <laughs> just come out the, the washing film, machine. As the film went on, they do sort of roughen them up. And it, uh, yeah. I didn't feel it was... But it made me think that I've watched quite a lot of the Westerns recently and I, I'm quite enjoying them. Um, but I've no urge to watch any um, John Wayne Westerns, if I'm honest. I see. Well, that's the thing. I I think this is where the next podcast is probably going to go. Because have you been watching it whilst you've been in lockdown? No, I haven't. All no. oh, right, okay. You said you've watched a few. Westerns, I watched a couple, yeah. yeah, and I did actually go towards John Wayne to see what the, all the fuss was about. Ah, I um, look forward to your thoughts on that then. Yes, in a, in another podcast, in a, in a, in a later podcast. Because <laughs> I must say, I watched John Wayne. I've seen him in like the the Longest Day, which I think is a great film until he's on the screen. Yeah, and he just like ah. Oh, uh, just is that is he older in that one is that one of his later films the longest day possibly it's all about d-day isn't it it's the, the events of oh D-Day. the it's army one yeah film. i know it, yeah yeah it's a brilliant film okay um, uh, and well, maybe one day a film we should discuss maybe we'll discuss it for d-day because it's great oh that's beats, an idea beats the oh. shit out of saving private ryan shave shaving ryan's privates <laughs> did you just say so it all glitched <laughs> out as you said that that's a film in itself isn't it (laughs) anyway so we've got an email here from rob all right so i'm going to read it now um no well what i thought rob because it's quite a lengthy email yep and it goes through it in like quite a lot of detail okay so i thought i'm just going to read it sort of paragraph by paragraph and we can reflect upon what he's written so and have our own discussion okay so effectively rob's just done this podcast for us exactly so we can just kind of kick back today and relax (laughs) yeah he starts off sort of setting the scene okay sometimes i think my kids have it easy i worry that they take movies and cinema for granted i mean who wouldn't if you have every movie ever made at the push of a button they laugh at me when I tell them about the lengths we had to go to to watch the movies we wanted. We had to go to the newsagents to rent videos because we didn't even have a spa shop, never mind a blockbuster. And Dad would try and keep us from gazing at the interesting top-shelf magazines and usually fail. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days fondly, actually. Well, I was going to say, to... I never remember being taken by my dad, but yes, I do no, remember no. going to those shops. <laughs> well, we, used to, we live in a little village in North Devon and our post office used to have, like, the videos was in the very back corner, weren't they? Yeah, it was, yeah. You know? But I can, I can remember corner. 
going across to the video shop in Slough and, and picking the videos out from there. So we crossed the road yeah. and go up to the, there was a corner shop and whatnot. And then there was the video shop beside it. And so yeah, yeah we go in there and pick films out from there. Back, back in the oh, yeah. day, my God. Oh. I do remember the Slough one as well, actually. You yeah. Know, I just remember like films like Raiders of the Lost Ark being in there. And, yeah. Oh, just... Back I in the love, day of the VHS buttons. I still buttons. love <laughs> looking at all the covers because they never used to have them on their edge, did they? It would all be yeah, facing out. Facing out, out facing out, yeah, across the, across and, the uh, shelves. Yeah. Oh, there's something about it. VHS videos. I used to love yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. That's a really valid point as well, though, isn't it? Because it is touch of a button stuff. And yeah. It, and that, going back to this film, I think you i can sort of when you look at these partnerships these two actors together i can sort of see actors that have come since them that have, would potentially have been in these roles i'm thinking like brad pitt and people like that you know and, yeah but um, i was thinking brad pitt watching this yeah um but this guy came before him you know so that's often hmm. and this was a uh, way before a lot of the uh the films that we'd um compare it against yeah. now uh, but i was watching this thinking robert redford reminding me very much of brad pitt's performance in once upon a time in hollywood yeah very similar sort of performance I okay think. yep but anyway continuing on mm-hmm. rob says i think the first video we rented was the living daylights but i can remember not having a video player at home in fact my grandparents had one before we did it was a top loader and had blue chunky buttons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember. I remember go on. Go on. No, you remember first. Yeah, I was going to say, I, re- I do remember those. And I also remember my, my first pirate video experience as well. And my, Was it E.T.? It was E.T. Yes. <laughs> and it was such bad quality. It was like, oh. I, I mean, when you imagine that it was considered, it was a bad quality video. <laughs> when you think now that all videos were bad quality i know yes <laughs> i remember by the last video i ever bought was the matrix yeah and i remember i had dvds and i'd been watching dvds and i thought oh, i'll watch the matrix which i hadn't re-bought on dvd because i'd only just bought it and i remember putting the video on and going fucking hell it's like a pirate copy <laughs> <laughs> what was your just out of interest switching this around a bit that conversation what was your first ever dvd uh, Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. Ah, okay, yeah. Actually, no, actually, no, it wasn't. That was my first ever Blu-ray. Ah, okay. And that was because I ordered it and didn't realise it was a Blu-ray and it turned up, it was before I had anything to play it on. <laughs> and uh, I just kept it. Yeah, until, so, you, until you could. <laughs> until I because did, Because one yeah. day you said that will be the cutting edge of technology. Exactly. Uh, the first DVD, God. I have no, I cannot remember. My, Can't remember. Mine was um, Enemy of the State. Oh, right. And I actually, I think that's a great film. I enjoyed that one. Oh, Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene Hackman. I like it? the way you said and Gene Will Hackman Smith. then, because that's how I react whenever I think of Gene Hackman. Which is... What did I say? Well, you, you sort of pulled a face. <laughs> sort of like, oh, no, I Gene like Hackman. Gene Hackman. I li- <laughs> no, I love Gene Hackman. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. And, In, like, the Superman. Yeah. And... Um, there's a film called The Conversation. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, it. Just, it's a really great film. It's a Francis Ford Coppola film, but it's a bit of a small film. And he plays this guy who's like into uh, bugging people. Right, yep. And he gets pulled into this conspiracy. It's just really great. Mm. And he's just brilliant in it. Crimson Tide's another one I really enjoyed. you seen that? Uh, I don't know if I have. That's the submarine one. All right. I might pick that um, one out for us at some point then, because yeah. that is a good and one. And the Royal Tenenbaums is probably one of my favourites of his. Yeah. Even though he was a bit of an arsehole to work with, apparently, for uh, okay. on set for that film. But, yeah, I like Gene Hackman. Okay. Um, 
But anyway, <laughs> we haven't even got to the film yet. <laughs> We're going off again. Yeah, where's he gone? Uh, Grampy didn't rent videos for us, though. To him, the VHS was a tool to record boxing off of the telly and watch it at a better time of day. Mm-hmm. Yep. While he loved the boxing, there was two other things he loved to watch. Crocodile Dundee and Old Westerns. So when I would visit, which was often, I had a choice of what to watch on a wet afternoon. Either two blunk blokes punching each other, two cowboys shooting each other, or an Aussie stabbing a crocodile in the head. But one of the films <laughs> But one of the films was different. Sorry, God. It's good. It's good. I first met our heroes Butch and Sundance on a wet summer's afternoon in the late eighties, and I was probably carried away with the action and the comedy and just the thrill of the ride. As I've grown up I found more and more to love about the film. And if it's not the best film ever made, I can't think of many better. Possibly Goodfellas, maybe Godfather Part Two. Maybe it's because I associate the movie with Happy Days at Grampy's, but it's definitely my favourite film ever. Okay. You do associate older films with happy times sometimes, don't you? You do, you do. Yeah, I don't know about films necessarily. I mean, I remember with our granddad, old granddad Denzel, there was, it was wrestling on a Saturday afternoon when we used to go over. What, Giant Haystacks? Giant Haystacks, Big Daddy was always on. Mm. Yeah. He wasn't Big Daddy, he was also called Marion, wasn't he? Was he really? It's just isn't he? amazing. No, how no, many... it's not. It's something, isn't it? He's got like a girl's name, hasn't he? Sandra? <sighs> no, it's something like that. Cause, okay. Um, the reason I say that is because... Shirley. Shirley, yeah, Crabtree. Shirley Crabtree. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that is because John Wayne's real name is Marion. That's right, it? yeah. And he used to get beaten up by his wife, apparently. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> so am I, though. Not by his wife, by my <laughs> wife. So, you know. And um, Rob goes on to say, it's a really beautifully shot movie, even by today's standards. From the opening scenes with Paul Newman's sparkly eyes cutting through the sepia tones at the start, through countless panoramas of the Old West, to the final intimate moments of that shootout in Bolivia. Don't give the end away. Oh, spoiler. Oh, spoiler. They <laughs> <laughs> didn't say they died during the shootout, though. There was a shootout. <laughs> I didn't get to the end. I was just going to say, during the, um, he was saying there about the um, the cinematography of it all. Yeah. Uh, I think whoever it was that was doing that element of the camera work. Comrad Hall. They like to have the sun coming up behind. Right. Apparently they like to do it with that way, so that the sunlight was coming in sort of behind, which impacted a little bit, but also then the dust and that kicked up and it sort of created lit this sort the of dust up like yeah yeah lit the, yeah. yeah lit the lit the picture up even more yeah so there yeah comrad hall done the cinematography in this he's right yep he was around for a long time i remember watching american beauty and thinking oh that's beautiful how that was shot and i looked yep research then and that's where i first became aware of his name uh he'd done american beauty so he was still sort of around late in the day but yeah he's done Quite a lot of the old westerns and that, by the looks of it. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I thought that it's really lush. I love this sort of era, anyway, from the like, late 60s to the sort of mid-70s. The cinematography yeah. looked real rich colours, wasn't it? You know? and Yeah. Almost makes the actors look like they're made of mahogany, doesn't it? <laughs> it, you know? it does. And it's, I mean, uh, they change the colouring around a little bit, don't they? Because initially it starts off with that uh, is it sepia, sepia then it yeah. comes into the colour, doesn't it? But like you say, the colour is always just... It's like it's... Um, do you remember the old TVs where you, could, you had the toned sort of 
switch and you sort of knob and you turn it up full and the color would come boom really it's kind of like that isn't it it's like the balance is all out of sync with these films a lot of the time yeah but it well, just works a lot so of, well yeah a lot of really like dark shots in this yes there? there are yeah but where yeah. like they're like sliver of light lighting up their face especially in the opening sequence isn't there where yep where butch is looking around the bank and then uh sundance is playing the cards and yep absolutely it really looks nice and again yeah. they that actually they do that again later on after they kill the the, the bandits mm. um and it goes into yeah. when butch is kind of sitting there it's obviously the first person he's ever killed because he never killed anyone did he that was the that was the thing about him and he's sitting there and it's all dark and moody and he's like, you can sort of see the turning of the tide a bit there on that one. And again, it's that use of that. I did laugh out loud though when they, <laughs> when they killed the bandits. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, mate, calm down. I'm, I'm gonna, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know it was a sec- like accentuating the point that they've never murdered before, but well, yeah. fucking hell. <laughs> Everyone reacted like yeah, that. Yeah, well, you'd have shot that guy again. <laughs> <laughs> shut up oh, shut up um he goes on to say rob goes on to say i could write for days about each and every scene yeah we noticed then- rob not being funny but by god <laughs> <laughs> but then i'll be doing your podcast for you and no one wants that <laughs> or oh, do they is he plugging his own podcast here it's ross rob what's his angle <laughs> <laughs> there's a few things that really hit me when i watched it on saturday it's a really fun affair until the second train rod robbery yeah. poor old woodcock yeah. but there are hints yeah. of what's to come when sundance is accused of cheating and butch's leadership is challenged but once the chase is on the tension builds and is released with a great line again and again which leaves you feeling like you're on a roller coaster mm. so the train robbery is a great Aren't they? Yeah, and the, the, the first one, I mean, there is, it, 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 it runs very smoothly. They sort of show their operation in action, don't they? Yeah. This is how we do it, that we don't have any problems. We're really good at this. And we don't hurt anyone. Yeah, and it's always successful. We do what we want. We, we get the, you know, we blow the, we blow the doors if we have to. We take the money and we run. Yeah. And it's all good. Nobody gets hurt. And, it, and we even have a little bit of banter with a guy called Woodcock, which you would, wouldn't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> His wife's called Splintery Fanny. <laughs> what do you think his first name was? Maybe, I don't know, Varnished? <laughs> Whittled. Whittled. <laughs> Whittled. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, they say about the... Uh, Rob mentions there about um, the challenge at the beginning for the leadership with the chap Harvey, isn't it? How about Sandy Woodcock? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Sandy. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Action. Yeah, so he says about the challenge with, um, it's that Harvey at the beginning, isn't it, who's challenging Butch to sort of run the Enterprise. Yep. And he challenges him to a shootout or a knife fight. Massive guy. Massive guy. And he, um, actually, I I Googled him because I thought, who is this guy? Have I seen him in other stuff? He actually plays Lurch in the old Adams Family TV series. Ah, okay, right, yeah. So, a little bit of trivia there. I like the way he says, does he say something like, I'm not a bad loser or something, but if I I lose, shoot him or something, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that, isn't it? Yeah. 
and yeah, so their gang is the hole in the wall gang, isn't it? Yeah, which which, which um, means something completely different these days. Yeah, <laughs> well, this is what I was going to say. They must have had mass amazing foresight, really, to be able to name it after a cash machine when cash machines hadn't even been invented. Yes, exactly. So, but there was also known as another na- a group, wasn't they? The actual gang, Butch Cassidy's real gang. Do you know what they were really called? No. And they had to change the name in this film because another film had come out a couple of years previous with the same title. Okay. The Wild Bunch. Oh, really? Ah, yeah, that's what go. the gang was really known as. That was a Sam Peckinpah film just from a few years previous. But going back to the train robberies, though, I love that, that explosion on the second train robbery. <laughs> where he's like, oh, we need, need more dynamite because Woodcock by this point. You know, he's a little jobs worth, isn't he, Woodcock? He won't open the doors. Yeah. I'm employed yeah. by the... You I'm going to do my job. <laughs> yeah and uh even though he's he's in a bandage from the last time he'd done his job yeah <laughs> and then when they get there all like the 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 safe has all been like welded shut and it's got panel you know, metal panels and strips holding it all shut so they get more dynamite but that explosion it's br- a brilliant comedy moment yeah it just looked like a real explosion didn't it usually they're either quite a distance from it or it's like a big they're in front of a screen with an explosion on. But that seemed to engulf them. No, I, but I think up, it genuinely it? did. It wasn't them too. It yeah. was their stunt stunt doubles. But, yeah, but I think of course, he, yeah. it was quite a sort of like balsa wood or something on the train doors <laughs> that they blew up. And they knew they were going to get hit by it. And he was, the, I, the, during the documentary, the director was talking about how he needed to pull them away from it a little bit further to make sure that they didn't get too injured from it. Yeah. And actually talking about the stunts in this film, there was a few... Um, Stories of stuntmen getting quite quite badly injured. Was there during the making of yes, this? Yes, there was. Would you like me to tell you now, or should we hold that in case? Go on, yeah, go for it. So go apparently, there's one um, on the train when they had the logs and the chain breaks, right? Yeah, and the logs roll off. Well, apparently, one of them came off the train, and the logs came off with him and landed on top of him. Oh, Christ! I don't know. He was still, he lived, but he, I don't know if he ever did any more stunt work after that. And then there was another one later on at the shootout at the end. Spoiler. And they yeah. shoot some guy up on the top of on the roof up, uh, sort of walking across a sort of archway on top of an archway. Yeah. And the stunt guy jumped off, but he jumped off onto a load of cardboard boxes, but it wasn't enough to do that. So he, he broke his pelvis when he landed. Oh, end up. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, proper, proper stuntmen. And that's something that watching Western films, I know often they speed up the horse stunts and things, but they were, yeah, there were some seriously good stuntmen going on back then, wasn't they? Back in the day. Well, even before that, even before that, things like your Lauren Hardy and your... Oh, Harold uh, Bust, Lloyd. Buster he, Keaton yeah. and Harold Lloyd. Yeah. You know, the stunts that they were doing. Yeah, mental. Uh, and they were doing it themselves, just totally, for comedy. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Amazing. They did really? have stunt doubles in this one, but I, d- I know... Um, uh, uh, figure Bob Newman what's he Redford. called Redford well, Redford wanted to do his own stunts didn't yeah, he yeah but it wasn't him it was the other one Paul Newman oh right he he uh, he did uh, towards the end when they were doing the horse riding stuff he did his own bit on that apparently so they did do their own stuff and he put his feet up on the bicycle crossbar he'd done that himself oh do you know what I was thinking <laughs> he got himself a bike within a day he was a pro wasn't he oh wasn't he <laughs> Just like what was, what was blimey, he was good. It took me at least a week before I could pedal without stabilizers. No, that's right. Yeah, to actually get the balance to ride a bike. Yeah, but there you go. He was doing all sorts of stuff on it. Oh, when he just, but he did crash it. He did. 
Crack on. Oh, I got a good um, story about that too, but we'll probably get to that in a minute. Oh, go on. No, let's talk about the bike scene. Let's talk about the bike oh, scene. I don't know if it comes right, Okay. Well, the first it's thing is... our podcast. We do what we fucking want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're not just... We're not dictated to by Rob and his letter. <laughs> his novella. <laughs> yeah. A, War and Peace was shorter. My God, man. <laughs> so a couple oh. of interesting facts that I heard. 12 minutes of music in the entire film. Yeah, I thought there's a lot of... It, it was very silent. Yes. And it it, it works, though, doesn't it? It does. And the, there's something about the sound of the horses yes. during that whole chase scene. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Like that. And then, Brilliant. And then, weirdly, interspersed amongst it, a free um, Burt Bacharach song. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Ill-fitting. you know... fitting Back of well, songs. <laughs> I think potentially apart from um, Austin Powers, I think Burt Bacharach music tends to be ill-fitting wherever it goes. <laughs> However, I love Burt Bacharach. I think his music's great and I've used it in all sorts of weird circumstances. I need to, I need to explain that now, don't I, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah you know but <laughs> <laughs> i meant in teaching sort of elements and things like that in classrooms okay. and stuff but um still don't get it <laughs> <Just cut. laughs> anyway so um yeah no cut that um <laughs> so burt Bacharach, yeah anyway so there's three weird songs in there and it's the it, like you say they're not they're contemporary songs of that time. I mean, now, my God, we're saying like they're ancient, but back then they were obviously contemporary. That was contemporary yeah. music. And they, they just dropped in at these three random points. Um, I don't know if it works or not. It just kind of... No, I know. Like, no, it felt weird to me when it burst into raindrops keep falling on my head. And it's like, <laughs> it's not even fucking raining. It's in a freaking <laughs> desert! <laughs> It yeah. seemed a bit weird. And he's on a bike. <laughs> yeah, know, it's like, it's like, yeah, the whole thing was a bit, it was almost trippy without being trippy, would it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit strange. Um, it's an interesting choice. Yeah. You know, a brave choice. You stick that in the middle of a of a Western film. And I think that's the thing. I think obviously what they were trying to do was, I think a lot of the time in this film, you get this feeling that it's crossing between what the films that have come before it and where cinema was yeah. moving to. Yeah. And yeah. It also you get that in terms of the story as well, don't you, with Butch Cassidy and, Sun- and the Sundance Kid, because they're obviously coming from an era that's running out of time, as it was, yeah. and moving into a more modern era where you just couldn't get away with the same stuff anymore. And Exactly, yeah. So there yeah. is that sort of crossover going on in there. Yeah, because you think as well, this is the same year as... Um, Bonnie and Clyde as well, which is right. a very similar sort of film, isn't it? About yep. romanticises the criminals. Yeah. Whereas Bonnie and Clyde were a bit more ruthless, weren't they? Gene Hackman's in that as well, isn't he? Ah, oh, get on with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything links, doesn't it? Everything links. It but, does. Yeah, it does. But um, yeah, so anyway, Burt Bacharach, there you go. I mean, um, it was interesting. The whole bit with the bike was, it, it, it was the fun element to it, wasn't it? And um, I think that, that I, Another part I saw in this documentary was when they were talking about um, they were going back to the train bit, and uh, Paul Newman when he was doing that sketch with uh, Woodcock, mm-hmm. oh, Sandy, S- Sandy, <laughs> with Sandy, <laughs> <laughs> mahogany, <laughs> dry rot. <laughs> That's how he passed away, wasn't it? 
<laughs> I think that was his granddad, actually, wasn't it, Dry Rot? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so there was a, they had a conversation about how he played it because they'd, be, they'd been rehearsing it before they got there. And then when they did it, actually, on the set, Paul Newman changed his character to be more comical. And the director again said, I, and I keep saying the director and actually, instead of actually saying who it Say is, who it is, yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's a bit disrespectful. George Roy Hill. Yeah. So uh, George Roy Hill basically was saying, um, he then stopped it. He sort of challenged him and said, what are you doing? And he sort of said, well, I'm, I'm playing it as I think, you know, it's, it feels it's coming out like this. And he was saying, no, he said, I don't want you to be funny or sad in these bits. I want you to be real. Yeah, and then and then that the funny and sad bit will come across in the part of the film rather than in your character's persona. Going back to like we said about uh, Michael Caine saying the other week, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. if you try too hard to be funny, it's not going to be funny. Yeah, exactly. You've got to bring so the comedy you, out of the realism yeah, of absolutely. The, so he yeah. had to play it that way, um, and then just allow the film and the story and the lines and the moment and the scenes to, to bring out the elements that they wanted. Yeah. Um, but then I read something somewhere else about uh, Paul Newman not originally wanting to do the script because he thought there was too much comedy. And if he'd done it, he wanted to play it straight. <laughs> <laughs> awkward just bastard. fucking <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Fuck it. It's, yeah. Prima donnas. Honest to Prima God. Prima donnas. I want it. I don't want it. I want <laughs> it. I don't. <laughs> but the writer, William Goldman, he's done some great films, actually. Um, he was... Right, yeah. He wrote All the President's Men and Marathon Man. Yeah, yeah. But what I thought, oh, wow, I couldn't believe was his, was The Princess Bride. Oh. Do you remember that, Princess Bride? Have no. you seen that film? No, I don't know. I don't know that I have. Oh, that's a great film. A comedy, fantasy sort of comedy film with okay. Andre the Giant in it. No, can't say I know much about it. Oh, you, that's one you need to watch, Rob. It's brilliant. So. So. There is more of this email. Do you want to hear more? Yeah, we need to keep going because Rob, Rob's going to be a bit annoyed if we don't finish it now. Yeah. Now that he started. He says, I used to find the photo montage in the middle a little bit long, but watching it now, you can see every emotion in the faces of our heroes. There's one particular shot of Sundance and Etta dancing while Butch watches on that seems melancholic, a recognition of the life they could have had, but really had no place in. And this comes up again when they're going straight and have the shootout with the banditos. And you realise that this is the first time in the movie that our heroes have killed anyone. And they did it for a straight job. They did? They did, yeah. I don't know how much truth is in that bit with the banditos. No, I don't. No, I don't either. But, I mean, it, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice way of putting it, isn't it, in terms of the film? Because, obviously, they've gone yeah. straight. And, actually, the irony is that it's going straight that ends up putting them in the... In the shite, so to he speak. He does. He has a line like that, doesn't he? He tells me, say, like, um, so, all right, so we've gone straight. What do we do next? <laughs> Something like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. sort of a, a comical line, but it's said it was such a, like, you know, shit, you know. Yeah. This yeah. has just gone tits up. And it is a great... But I think we jumped ahead here, really, because we have talked about the scene where they're being pursued. Yes. Uh, and I just think that it's so good that it's not... They're always at a distance. Yep, absolutely. You You never see their faces. No. You never see who they are. They kind of, they speculate, don't they? Yeah. Who is is it? Who is it? Do you think it's so-and-so? Do you think it's so-and-so? And And you always see them from Butch and Sundance's point of view, don't you? And they're so far in the distance. But yeah, They're trying all these things to throw them off and they're like, 
oh shit they're still coming yeah and it's a real relentless chase isn't it and it's just like you say there's no music yeah it's just oh you, there's no escaping it is there it's and it i think it sets them up for that inevitability doesn't it that mm. you know where they're heading yeah you know they're not getting away yeah because it doesn't matter what they do they're always being tracked aren't they and it's kind of that's the theme of the film isn't it in its yeah. entirety but that's just like a micro version of it going on there when they're chased ironically it isn't them that catch them in the end no, but, but you know, spoiler, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, but I, it is really well done. Really well done. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, those Rob was saying about the photo montage. And when I was watching, I was thinking, God, if they're trying to keep a low profile, they're having a lot of photos. <laughs> taken. But apparently that is also what was their downfall in real, in the real life. Yeah, absolutely. That they couldn't have, they could, you know, they had to keep going into places, having their photos taken. Yeah, because it, I suppose that was a new thing at the time as well, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and they just loved it. And they was both sort of well-to-do people. The real Butch Cassidy, you know, because he had his principles about not killing anyone, he had a lot of respect in a lot of areas and he yep. gave his money to a lot of people who really needed it. Yeah. You know, so he's a bit of a Robin Hood and he had friends in high places, you know, and the gang was all sort of sworn that they'd never rat each other out and they'd never kill anyone. Yeah, actually, their downfall was a photo. It's a real famous photo, isn't it? Of like a lot of the uh, wild bunch, they all had their photo taken, and then the shop where the photo was taken, they put the photo in the window because they were oh, yes. proud of the portrait. And that went and for then, the wanted posters. Well, someone recognised someone in the photo, recognised one of the gang, and then called Pinkertons. Yeah, who were like the uh, you know the the bad gang. You know, the outlaw hunters, weren't they? Weren't they like? Oh, were they? I thought they were yeah, just another bad. Uh, no, I crew. think Pinkertons is like who was sort of employed to catch all the ah, okay. all the bandits and stuff, isn't it? Sort of like bounty hunting, I suppose. But yeah, they was then put onto their trail, and that's what led them all to have to split up. Apparently, well, there you go. So yeah, that actually, the, there's a lot of realism in that photo montage. Is that they couldn't resist having their photo taken at every opportunity. Yeah, and that was quite nicely done as well because obviously they'd they'd had them cut and pasted into the pictures of, of real life <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, um, you know, in certain ones like when they're in the cabs and things in New York and and whatnot. But um, yeah, and I don't know about that whole kind of like him sitting there. Yeah, he did. He was sitting there looking melancholy and stuff. But I'm thinking, well, so wh- who, which one was he pining after? Yeah, because <laughs> they never make that clear. No, <laughs> you know, and why didn't he? Well, he did have. I guess he did have female interests. I don't, it just doesn't really come across in the film, does it? I mean, no, but he sort of—I suppose he knows he can't settle down, and yeah. he just goes for the prostitutes more than, yeah, like getting tied up. Doesn't he, he? just like showing off on any old bike, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there? So yeah, so they basically they escaped, didn't they, to Bolivia? Because they're not getting away from uh, Pinkertons. Yeah, so they're going to go I've just Googled that. Halo. Pinkerton, founded as the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, is a private security guard and detective agency established in the United States by Scotsman Alan Pinkerton in the 1850s. There you go. So there, there you, go. you go. You were bang on. You were um, bang on. They go into Bolivia and they start robbing. I love the sequence where... Because obviously they go away with the woman. Well, Catherine Ross at a place. Yeah, well, Catherine Ross wasn't the original. I don't know who they. They. I think they. The writer envisaged someone slightly older, right? Um, and a bit more 
oh, what what was the word that they used in the documentary? Older and a bit more. Was it? It wasn't bedraggled. Seasoned. I don't know. Something like that. You know, something like that. But then I suppose if you're making a film, you it's eye candy, isn't it? But they essentially go. It's weirdly that's how they described her. Yes. Is that what they said? Pretty much. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember the exact words, but it was pretty much along the lines of yeah, she's a very sexy woman, and that's why. Yeah. Basically. But yeah, Catherine Ross, apparently she was banned from the set when she wasn't on being filmed because one of the first scenes they filmed was like the train robbery. Right. And she went on to set and one of the camera members unavailable and they had five cameras set up, but only four camera operators. Right. So Comrade Hall said to her, come over here. I'll show you how to operate the camera. And he had her operating the fifth camera <laughs> and the director found out and he was furious that she was there and he banned her from the set unless she was being filmed. <laughs> and apparently she was actually quite argumentative as well. She was the hardest one to work with on the set. No, she wasn't. Well, I... I, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, I think she was, actually. <laughs> I've heard she wasn't. Well, I heard she was. I have to disagree. <laughs> And she always had to have the last word. It sounds like they had a great time together. Uh, Robert Redford, Paul Newman and Catherine Ross, when they went over to, it was filmed in Mexico, all the yeah, uh, Bolivia yeah. scenes. And they just said, right, we're not drinking the water. We just drink beer. And they basically just drank the beer. And everyone else got really bad diarrhea and illnesses from the water, <laughs> except for those three were the only three who didn't because they had drunk all the time. That's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, go back to the story. I love the scenes where she's teaching them how to like rob the banks in Spanish and yeah. telling them what to say. What to and say. And the first robbery, they go in and he's reading it off a bit of paper. <laughs> I can't read this. And he's Robert Redford, who's like, doesn't have any interest in learning it, has learnt more than Paul Newman. He's going, they've got their backs to the walls. He's going, you know. <laughs> oh, it's just great. Brilliant scenes. Yeah, very But good. they go, they go to go, they do the robberies and that, and then they decide to go straight what makes them decide to go straight? I can't remember. I, no, I... I oh, do you know, that's a really good point. Uh, what was it? What was it? What was it? Why was it? Because you watched it a couple of weeks ago now. I only watched it yesterday and I, I can't remember. Free go to Bolivia. Uh, they think of it... They, so initially it goes, uh, it's a robber's paradise. And on your arrival there, sometimes it's dismayed by the living conditions of regards uh, to the They think contempt. that it's the posse again, don't they? They see yes. a gang and they think it's the posse after them again. So... Um, they decide that they go straight. And the first job they get is to protect the money that they're usually robbing, <laughs> isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and so they, they're guarding The first him, bank they go to, they, they take the going... bloke to the bank and they're like looking at it from a robber's point, perspective going, oh yeah, they'll be in the trees. And the bloke's going, you're idiots. You don't, you know, they're not going to rob us now. We haven't got the money. But they're like preempting what's going to happen. And then he gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens exactly that location, doesn't it? But when they go to the bank and they're like stood outside hiding, they're like, <laughs> didn't we rob this place in June? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. I, I think that's the thing. I think it it is a fun, it is a, it is a fun film. It does work on a level as a comedy. Yeah. But it isn't just out and out co- comedy, no, is it? It's just nice. I think any film like this, it's an epic film. It looks good. Yeah. It's got good performances, but I think there's, People relate to laughter, don't they? It's got to be banter between characters, and it makes yeah. a film a lot more inviting and enticing. And a lot of films now, I find, 
they'll have a good story, but sometimes it's, everything's a bit too bleak, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of films I think that was interesting, but I don't want to watch it again in a hurry because there's nothing warming. Yeah, about. you've got, yeah, exactly. And, and, but that, and that plays into why you sort of, why these characters are likable and why you buy into them. Yeah. And their story, yeah. isn't it? You know, and that's, that often is the case, isn't it? I think it depends how you, if, whether you really attach to the characters, isn't it? Whether you get emotionally in- attached to them. Yeah. In, and, and the, the comedy versions of it, and you sort of see their, um, particularly, particularly with, um, with Butch Cassidy, you sort of see his frailties in it, his weaknesses in a way, don't you? Yeah. Not necessarily weaknesses. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, those sorts of, uh, uh, human elements to him, you know, he wasn't just a diehard cowboy that, you know, he, he, you could see he was fearful of being chased mm. by the posse. You know, he didn't want to kill anyone. He had sort of moral values. He kind of wanted to, it was always, the next next one you know next place we go will be the place and yeah you know he, he had a lot of sort of um oh, i can't think of the word what's the word um vulnerable characteristics but that's not really what i'm trying to say but- no when they're being pursued especially isn't it he's like he can't believe that they're in that mess can he you know and yeah he keeps going oh they can't keep following us and robert Redford's like yep they're still there and he's like what and He's thinking, well, why are they so keen? You know, we haven't killed anyone. Not- yeah, and that basically comes down to the money, doesn't it? You know, exactly. Um, yeah. Obviously, the amount of money that they've taken, they've suddenly become very, very expensive for the train companies, haven't they? And that's why they're being chased. And, and then there's that bit where they get, um, they tie up the, uh, the lawman, don't they? I think it's a yeah, sheriff or something. Yeah. He's a friend of theirs, basically, isn't yeah. he? And, but when he walks in there, he's like, God's sake, what are you doing here? You know, I don't want to get involved in this and he's like get your guns out point your guns at me yeah tie me up to the bed tie me up to the bed (laughs) and um but again you know because he says to them doesn't it you know you're gonna die it's just a case of choosing where you're gonna end up or something where you're gonna get killed isn't it yeah you know that again that sort of vulnerability comes into it i think and that's i think that's another way why another reason why you buy into them Mm. and and you, you start to become sort of attached to them in that sense you know yeah plus their plus their the characters just bouncing off each other and they do bounce off each other well. Because yeah. the other film they made, wasn't it? The, was it The Colour of Money? No, The Sting. The Sting. What's yeah. The Colour of the Money? The Colour of was Money it? is the sequel to The Hustler. Ah, right. Yeah. And then Martin Scorsese remade or made a sequel with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman and that was The Colour of Money. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got you. So it was the sting, wasn't it? So that came later on. So they played, you know, they went, they worked together again, but they, they'd not met each other, had they before this film? Yeah. They hadn't worked together. I don't think. No, no. no. So, but, and and yet you, you know, it comes across. Yeah. Literally like they've just known each other forever, don't they? And then. Yeah. But apparently the real Butch Cassidy and Sundance, before they escaped, they were only acquaintance. They weren't friends. Right. They make out in the film that they like had a real good friendship, but they'd yeah. only come together on jobs. And they were just, as they was chased away by that posse, they split off together. And then they was forced to sort of stick together. Yeah, okay. From that point onwards. Um, but, you know, it doesn't hurt the film. Oh, absolutely. I think, you, I think always with these sort of true stories and they change the timing of things don't they and the setup yeah, and yeah I, I think with this one they, they were saying when they were filming the ending that actually where they got caught was a lot more enclosed yeah um where they were killed in the end in in bolivia where they claimed where they, it was claimed they were killed because there's 
claims that they were killed all over the place, isn't there? You know, right. but actually they had to open it up and put a lot more sort of space in there so they could run between pillars and you know mm. dodge a bit more. And and I think yeah, so sometimes you have to adjust it for the benefit of the film. Yeah, yeah, to make it work. Another really interesting point that I was looking at, like sort of trivia and that about the film, and Butch Cassidy's sister was on set during making of the film. It's yes. And you're yes. like, what? Is that really yeah. the same timeline? But yeah, yeah, she amazing. She passed away in 1980. Uh, and that's the crazy thing about it, isn't it? I mean, you know. It's not this, that far, That really was <laughs> still within the era where there would have been people from that could actually go back and remember that time. Yeah, crazy. That's mental, isn't it? To think yeah. that. Yeah, that blew my mind. Incredible. That. But that's the, that's the thing about American history, I guess, in a sense, is that it's not that old, is it, in the grand no, scheme of no. things? Um, going back to Rob's email. <laughs> so it's just, a, they did it for the straight job. And that's the emotional turning point of the film. And you can see now that they have crossed a line that they can't come back from. To be fair, I think they'd crossed that line quite a way back. <laughs> I mean, you know, in their minds, they thought they could get away with it and turn and go straight. But did anybody else really believe that? I don't know. So. Carry on. Uh, the way the camera lingers on the bodies wouldn't hit us like a gut punch if we had spent an hour and a half watching them gun down lads at every opportunity. These are the good guys who do what they want to get by. Honourable thieves, not clo- cold-blooded killers. Yeah, we've discussed that. We have. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. See, Rob, we do know what we're on about. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> huh. I tell you what, though, I am liking the fact that we've got, we've got the script of Rob's to work to because it is keeping us on track for a change. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to exactly where we where we left off before we went off on a tangent yeah. talking about shaving sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Rob says, then after all that build up and release, all that falling in love with our heroes. All right, Rob. All right, Rob. Calm down. What's he talking about now? <laughs> back to the film and all the how are they going to get out of this we're brought to the final scenes the shootout in the village begins like all of the other scrapes we've witnessed but starts to play out a bit different the banter between them is harder to laugh at as you realize this is the last time we get to enjoy our heroes back and forth and Mm. as they run out of the building into a hail of gunfire we are relieved as the frame freezes and turns back to the sepia because the director has brought us to a place where, exactly like Etta, we love them too much to want to watch them die. Yeah, because that's what she says, isn't she? She says, I'll skip that scene. And so did the director. And and interestingly enough, um, the way that they did that last one, that scene at the end, was they took a photo, yeah. they then re- drew the colour out of it, turned it to sepia, and then uh, replaced the film with the photo, and then zoomed out, on of the photo there you go i know that yeah because it's because they come in i thought that was a clever shot because they run out well done and it's the film and then they freeze frame yeah then it's sit the color drains out of it and it comes out and it's like oh wow it's an old photo how have they done yeah and that's exactly how they did it they they then filmed the photo and drew the camera out of the photo so they really nicely done really you don't notice the splice or i didn't no maybe if you look closer they could but yeah yeah, and that's no, the sort of thing again, isn't it? Where nowadays that sort of technology is very easy to do. Oh yeah, and yeah. reducing colours and withdrawing it and stuff. You know, we could do that on a smartphone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, amazing. But um, back then, they had to work out what tactics they had around yeah. them. You know, how how do we do this then? 
Yeah, it's clever. I, that's what I mean. I love the older films. It was a lot more ingenious. I mean, now, when I watch certain films with Cohen and, like, Jay, they'll go, oh, fake. And you think, yeah, but at the time, it was like, oh, people were like, well, this oh, is it. Really. And now well, everything's too easy. Half the CGI just looks fucking shit anyway. Yeah, it does. I always it's call it the PlayStation 2 sort of Harry Potter game version, you know, where he's, sort of, <laughs> he's flying around on the on his broomstick and you're like, PlayStation, but it's like, PlayStation yeah, 1. Everything, like, Transformers come out and then every single robot, in yeah, anything. they all do the like same thing. Yeah, no, bored of it. Yeah. Bored of it. I, I, no, I couldn't agree more. And there's, these these are the sorts of films where they were breaking the mold. You know, like I said, you know, who before them had, had decided to put Burt Bacharach songs through the middle of the film? <laughs> you know, and yet there's no sound. You know, no hardly any music around it apart from that. You know, yeah. and um, it's just taking chances and doing things differently and coming up with original things. And these guys were the originals. Or was you know? this after the Clint Eastwood films? The uh, Oh, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly? Yeah. Um, I think they might, yeah, because they were the Italian spaghetti westerns, weren't they? Yeah. Um, I think they might have come before. Oh, 1964. So yeah. they was having a surge anyway, weren't they? And yeah. people were going to watch them because they was grittier and realistic so this was the studio, I suppose, saying, look, we can still make a gritty, realistic Western. But, but they were bringing it into the modern day movie, weren't they? Yeah. With sound, you know, with... with Because, uh, again, at the time, Burt Bacharach would have been a, a quite a, a contemporary artist. Yeah. And his music, you know, I mean, we've... Raindrops keep falling on your head, you know. It's like, Jesus, man, we've, you know, we've remember that for years. But at the time, that was obviously probably a new song. Yeah. And people hadn't yeah. heard it before. And then he's, he's plonked it in the middle of this random scene where he's riding on a bike in a western. Do you think it's where films and do you think Fox at this point had a music outlet as well? Very <laughs> possibly. You know, because that's how it all goes. So it went in the yeah. film, like with the I, Batman soundtrack and things like that. Warner Brothers had an album to release at the same time. Yeah, they did. You know, and and I, yeah, they might well have done. A lot of things they? tie in like that, didn't they? They're, yeah, they might well have done. I mean, that might be worth some something looking into when that sort of music started to come in. Mm. Um, they were doing things that, you know, original things. But then, to be fair, you, I say that, but there had already been a number of Western films that, yeah, they would have taken large elements from going mm. way back yeah. to, the you know, the 30s, This 40s. must have been sort of towards the end of the Western yeah, absolutely. To be honest, wouldn't it? It's really been I, one of the last so. ones. Yeah, uh, because it did sort of after that, they did sort of it did sort of shift a little bit, didn't it, from mm. the Western movies? Element. Yeah, and and so you know, this is a brave film because it's a comedy, but it's still got that Western element, you know, that gritty Western element to it. It's telling a true story, you know, but yeah, at the same time, they've tried to make it quite upbeat, contemporary, yeah, likable characters to go in for a wider audience, isn't it? Yeah. And it works. Uh, well, it certainly did work. It it didn't get very good reviews. Did it not? Um, and apparently when it first came out, the critics didn't really like it. But then people went to watch it. I remember reading something. Um, I think it was either the director or the writer was a bit depressed about it. And then one of their friends phoned them up and said, oh, we saw the film. It's great. As we was going in the cinema, I was in the queue. And as we was going in, someone come out and said, yep. It's it's absolutely worth it. Like, you know, one yeah. of the, shouted to everyone, you'll love it. It's absolutely worth it. And the writer was like, ah, so the people like it. 
that he had an idea then that it was going to become something special, but and not quite to the extent that it did. He was a yeah, you know. and and you know that's the interesting thing because I'm just looking at Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I think of uh, uh, of the Tomato Meter yeah. and uh, the reviews, the critics' reviews. I mean, here it's saying they've reviewed it quite highly. It's 92 percent audience score, 50,000 ratings, uh, 54 reviews, 89 percent. Um, but I would imagine that's reviews. You, it, that would certainly change over time because this suddenly becomes yeah. a nostalgic film, doesn't it? And everyone looks back at this as one of the classics. And I like looking back at old reviews of films yeah. that have gone on to become massive figs and seeing people going, no one's ever going to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Barry happen. Norman going, oh, Greece. Yeah, this, no, 20 years time, no one's going to know this film, he says. Something Hindsight like that. is a wonderful thing, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. But it's yeah. a good film. I did enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. Interestingly, my wife's my wife was really keen to watch it again, uh, Claire, because she 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 remembers it and she loved it when she was a kid. She said it was one of yeah. her favourite films. And then she watched it again. She said, ah, oh, it wasn't quite what I remember. And I think maybe, you know, again, I think that's probably down to the fact that our perception of things is tainted now by the amount of TV and films and television that we yeah. have. So there's always versions upon versions upon versions of things. So we've got more to draw off of to have an yeah. opinion on it, haven't we? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I do. Yeah. But I, I love watching the older films. And this is sort of era from the late 60s through to like the early 80s is my favourite. Well, yeah. All my favourite films come from this time. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is in the look. And a lot of this, the landscape shots and that, just amazing. Yeah. Like I say, that rich cinematography, just beautiful. What does Rob say then? Does he wrap it up? He just he says that was in? the end, really, where he says the director's brought us to a place where, exactly like Etta, we love them too much yeah. to watch them die. Yeah. And so, you think to yourself, well, they might have survived. <laughs> what's the sequel i mean come on the emperor fell down that shaft <laughs> and he survived so. well they did survive because they popped back up in like another 30 years time and then they're like plotting uh, the sting so yeah oh yes. <laughs> yeah but yeah saying that i'd love to watch the sting again after watching this i, I used to love the Sting. i can't remember younger. it i can't remember it so it would be worth robert shaw is the crook in it isn't he oh robert shaw Brilliant. yeah Love him, love him. But another great ending in that film. Same director as well as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, okay, right. For the Sting. Ah, okay. But, so yeah, yeah, just brought them back together. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So thank you, Rob, for your email and your recommendation. It was great to watch it. And do you know what? I never watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid before. This is the first time I ever watched it. I can't remember it at all from before. I know previously. I'd seen the end. It, I'd yeah, seen the ending. It, it sort of feels like maybe it was one of those things that was on on a Sunday, but I wasn't yeah, really I paying attention exactly to. The same. You know? I think I just came in after dinner and it was the end of it or something. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, great film. Um, thank you, Rob, for your email. Thank you, Rob, for joining me. This is That's getting confusing. Rob. This is getting confusing. <laughs> I'll just call you Woodcock. Yes. From now on. <laughs> mahogany so yeah and thank you everyone for listening so that was we need to talk about movies podcast that wasn't wn movie talk podcast uh for another week yeah hope to see you again soon with more movies that we talk about (laughs) it's what we do podcasting brilliant (laughs) i love the way you tied that up i'm shit at ending smooth (laughs) it was smooth goodbye and thank you for listening to wn moviecast Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Chase!
Tschüss.